Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. This is a very special episode of What is Truth. Today is September 10th, 2020. Today we're going to play the full version of Donald Trump's rally from Freeland, Michigan. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy it. car plants, Michigan. We brought you a lot of car plants. You know that, right? Long time. It's been a long time since you had all these plants being built, but we brought you a lot over the last three and a half years, and we're going to bring you a lot more. That's happening. Hello, Michigan, and I'm thrilled to be in Freeland with thousands of loyal Hard-working American patriots, 54 days from now, we're going to win Michigan, and we're going to win four more years in the White House. This is the most important election in the history of our country. Joe Biden devoted his career to offshoring Michigan's jobs, outsourcing... Out, that's right, we shouldn't be smiling about it, but we've changed it around, outsourcing Michigan's factories, throwing open your borders, dragging us into endless foreign wars, and surrendering our children's future to China and other faraway lands. Biden supported every disastrous globalist sellout for over a half a century, including NAFTA, China, and TPP, you know that. Joe Biden surrendered your jobs to China, and now he wants to surrender our country to the violent left-wing mob, and you're seeing that every night. If Biden wins, China wins. If Biden wins, the mob wins. If Biden wins, the rioters, anarchists, arsonists, and flag burners win. But I wouldn't worry about it because he's not winning. I don't think he's winning. You know, this is not the crowd of a person who comes in second place. You do know that. The same thing happened four years ago. 
It was election eve, but by the time I got here, it was late. Some of you are in that audience at one o'clock in the morning, now election day. We had 32,000 people show up. And the reason I went is that I heard that crooked Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton and Barack Hussein Obama were traveling to Michigan because they heard they had problems. They were supposed to win Michigan. But they did such a lousy job that they had to come and get some votes. And they came and I heard about it. They said, sir, could you do it? And I hopped in the plane. We landed at 12 o'clock in the evening. I started speaking at 1 o'clock in the morning, now election day. 32,000 people. She had 500 people. I said, why are we going to lose Michigan? And we didn't. And we didn't. First time in a long time, but now we're up in the polls. We just saw polls. We're up in Michigan. I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't know. I don't know if that's good or bad, because in all those polls where we were down last time, we won. So maybe we're better off being down a little bit. Hello, John James. I see you handsome guy. John James, get out and vote for John. I'm going to introduce you in a second, John James. What a job you've done. You know, I have to tell you, he took, I saw this group of people that were running, all nice people, three very rich people, and one guy that was John James. And I saw them all, right? I saw them all, and I said, wait, you know, with the wonderful invention of TiVo, one of the greats, you can play it back. I said, who was that? They said, I don't know, sir. I said, play it back. I said, that man is going to be a star. It was John Jay. And that was in the Republican primary. And after learning about him with his incredible career and helicopter, and he's a great and actually a great flyer, I heard the other day, a great one, a really good one, as opposed to those that aren't so good. But his incredible uh, background and education at West Point and all of the things he did. I said, this guy, and I endorsed him and he went like a rocket ship. And frankly, if he had a little more support, he would have won the last time. And this time, I hear you're even and maybe even ahead. And we're going to win for John James. And he's a great guy, but I'm going to introduce him in a second. I'm running for re-election to keep jobs in Michigan. And we have got a lot of, you know, last year before the China plague came in, we have the China plague. Thank you, China, very much. Should have never let that happen. They should have never, ever let it happen. They stopped it from going into China, but they didn't stop it from coming out here and coming into the U.S. and Europe and the rest of the world, 188 countries. But it is what it is, and we're not happy about it, and we're going to remember it. We're going to remember it. But we had in Michigan and in the country the greatest economy in the history of the world. There has never been an economy like that. And now we're building it again, and it's being built fast. And it, by the way, it's turning out to be, John, a Super V. No more V. Now it's turning out to be a Super V. But to put violent criminals behind bars and to ensure the future belongs to America, not to China. 
Because if we win, America wins. And that's what it's about. If we win, America wins. Not only does Joe Biden want to eliminate your jobs, he wants to eliminate your borders. He's promised to flood your state with refugees, and you know that as well as I do, and you see it all the time. From terrorist hotspots around the world, including Syria, Somalia, and Yemen, Biden's pledge to have a 700% increase. He made this deal with Crazy Bernie. A 700% increase in the flow of refugees. So he wants to lift it up by 700%. This is in their manifesto. He's also pledged to terminate all national security travel bans, overwhelming your state with poorly vetted migrants from jihadist regions. Making matters worse, he would open the floodgates in the middle of a pandemic. And by the way, the wall, it's over 311 miles long right now. Doing very well. Make the mic louder. The mic louder. Biden is waging war against the American middle class, I think most of you are not middle class, you're upper class. You're the elite. You know the way they talk about the elite? The elite. They're really elite. I see them. They're not elite. You're the elite. They're the elite. The elite has decided. Boy, have we hurt the elite, haven't we? You're the super elite. The left wants to get rid of me so they can come after you. It's very simple. Over the last three and a half years, we've secured America's borders, blocked the entry of foreign terrorists, fixed our disastrous trade deals, and we have fixed our trade deals good. They are good. In fact, Biden was interviewed today on, there they are, CNN. No, he was just interviewed today. He was interviewed by Jake Tapper, who I find to be a nice guy. I don't think he likes me too much, but that's okay. He was interviewed on CNN, and they said, which is better, NAFTA or the USMCA? He said, no, no, the USMCA. And Tapper goes, what? Couldn't believe it. Said the USMCA. He made a mistake. From his perspective, he made a mistake because he doesn't know what's going on. Even though he's right, he doesn't know. They were a little surprised to hear that. They gave him a few chances. Let's uh, ask that question again. But we brought back our manufacturing jobs. We rebuilt the awesome power of the U.S. military. We obliterated. We obliterated the ISIS caliphate and built the greatest economy in the history of the world. And now we are doing it again, bigger and better than ever before. Before the end of the year, we will have a safe and effective vaccine and we will defeat the China virus. I have a feeling, the, by the way, I think the vaccine is going to come very soon. It's going to come very soon. 
And with it or without it, we're rounding the turn. You see what's happening. You see the numbers are plunging. You see how good we're doing relative to other countries and other parts of the world. But the fake news doesn't like saying that. They don't like telling you that. And next year, unless you have somebody that's going to quadruple your taxes, raise your taxes, raise up all of those regulations that we cut, next year will be one of the greatest years of the history of our country. At no time before has there been a clearer choice between two parties, two visions, two philosophies, and two agendas for the future. There's never been a vision like this. You have Sleepy Joe and you have Trump. Sleepy Joe. He's a beauty. He's a beauty. He's a beauty. You know, I watch the Democrat debates, right? And I, I watch them up there and he was so bad. I said, there's no way he makes it. It's sad, isn't it? The first lady actually came in and one time she watched it. She goes, and she's a nice person. And she meant this really, me, I view it differently. But she looked and she watched the debate and she watched Joe. And she said, darling, it's so sad. This was early on. And this is the guy I'm running against. It's so sad, darling, it's so sad. But we got him. Joe Biden has put forward the most extreme platform, and it's not him. He doesn't know what platform. He doesn't know. It's your radical left people. It's AOC plus three. It's uh, all these people. Bernie. It's Bernie. It's Kamala, the most liberal person in the U.S. Senate. You know, I tell it all the time. She started off her poll numbers at 15, 14, 12, 12. Then she went back up to 12 and a half. Then it was a big plunge right down to the bottom. And then she dropped out. She dropped out. But there's never been anything like this. And no major party has ever had a candidate that's so extreme in his views. And again, he took the manifesto drawn up by Bernie and the super lips, and that's what he's going by, including a massive increase in your taxes and a total assault on your Second Amendment. On November 3rd, Michigan, you better vote for me. I got you so many damn car plants. so angry at you. I got you a lot of plants. Is that right? I mean, have you seen how, what we're doing here? All the plants that have been built are being built. And what about the plants that are being expanded? They don't want to give you credit for that. They're just expanding. 
I went to Prime Minister Abe of Japan. I say, Prime Minister, you have to start doing something. You know, he's a great guy. He'll be retiring soon. He's a great guy. The Prime Minister of Japan, Abe. I say, Shinzo, Shinzo, you have to do me a favor. You've got to send car plants over here. You know, you're sending all those cars. We stupidly don't charge you tariffs on those cars that pour into our country. I said, Shinzo, you got to give us plants. No, 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 I can't do that. Uh, that is up to the free enterprise system of Japan. I say, Shinzo, you're a powerful man. You can do it. Oh, I can't do it. The next day they announced five car companies are coming to Michigan, right? And you hadn't had a plant built. Now they've been building it for a number of years. But you hadn't had a plant built in like 42 years. You know, they were the old plants. And it's been amazing what's happened in Michigan. But honestly, it's been amazing what's happened in Ohio and North Carolina and South Carolina and Florida and New Hampshire and so many other places. Our country is doing great. We had to take a pause to get rid of the China virus. And we got rid of, we're getting rid, we're coming around, we're coming around that turn. I'm telling you, you watch next year better than last year. It's going to be better. <laughs> Michigan will decide whether we will quickly return to record prosperity or whether we'll allow Sleepy Joe to impose $4 trillion in tax hikes, ban American energy, confiscate your guns, Shut down the economy and tell your governor to open up your state. You know, it's all Democrat governors, and I think they do it for political reasons, you know, because there'll be less activity. You'd be doing even better if you had a governor that knew what the hell she was doing. You got to open up the state. And also, you have to have a governor because, you know, right now Michigan's lagging. Great football, great coach, great team. We want a governor, John James, that's going to let Michigan play Big Ten football this year. You've been seeing a lot of the other Schools want to open Big Ten at my suggestion. How about Sleepy Joe? He said, Donald Trump is against football. No, no, no. I'm the one that says open it up. Let's play football. These people practice disinformation like nobody has ever practiced that. They're liars. I'll tell you, they lie. But we have a good chance. You have a very good commissioner and the commissioner is working hard. And hopefully very soon they'll say you're going to play football. And I hope they're not leaving Michigan out because it's never the same if they do. But you have Maryland where they have a problem at, in terms of playing. And the governors have a lot of power over that. They have a lot of power, a lot of say. So let's play Big Ten football, right? They want to shut down auto production, delay the vaccine. They want to destroy your suburbs. Look at what I've done for your suburbs. You know what I've done. You know what I've done. Does anybody want to have somebody from Antifa?
as a member and as a resident of your suburb? I don't think so too much. Say, darling, who moved in next door? Oh, it's a resident of Antifa. No, thank you. Let's get out of here. Let's get the hell out of here, darling. Let's leave our suburbs. Oh, I wish Trump were president. He wouldn't have allowed that to happen. And that's exactly right. I won't allow it to happen. The suburbs are the American dream. And I will tell you, I have protected your suburbs. You know, I get rid of a regulation that played with your zoning and played with other things where they forced projects into the suburbs of our great country. And I got rid of it. They said, sir, we can amend it and make it less crazy. I said, no, I don't want to amend it. I don't want to do that. I want to get rid of it. Well, sir, why don't we just do a simple amendment? It would be, I said, I want to get rid of it. End it. And we ended it. We ended it. Well, I think the uh, people living in the suburbs, which I know very well, I watched Westchester in New York where they were doing things that should never have been done, and it's not going to happen to our suburbs. They want to erase your borders and indoctrinate your children with poisonous anti-American lies in our schools. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. For the last four years, they've tried everything to stop us. And they are only getting more desperate by the day. Can you imagine if on September 3rd, they say, ladies and gentlemen, Donald Trump has been declared the winner. Donald Trump has been declared. At first, they'll go crazy. And then they'll say, okay, it's time now to be reasonable. They will have had it. They will have had it. You know, we were coming together as a nation, very interesting. Before the plague came in from China, we were coming together. It was success. Somebody said, what's going to bring you together? And it was. We were coming together. I was starting to get calls from Democrats that, frankly, we didn't speak much. And I was starting to get calls. And then all of a sudden, we saw the plague pour in and we saw what was happening. And it really stopped things. But success was getting very, very close to bringing us all together and then we had to say let's take a time out we got to fix this mess and we did and now we're coming back strong but success brings us together and it was happening and then we got that terrible situation happened and we'll never forget it biden and his party tried to lock law-abiding americans into their homes while they encourage rioters and vandals rampaging through all, in all cases, Democrat-run cities. You know, Republican-run cities are doing very well. I hope you know that. And I hope you know, like in Minneapolis, Minneapolis, we were asked to come in. We went in. We took care of that problem in about, what, 30 minutes? Unfortunately, they let almost two weeks go by. And if you look at what we just did in Wisconsin, which was so amazing, Three days and we went in. And by the way, the U.S. Marshals went in to get the killer. And that was the end of that. They got the killer. They got the killer. You know what I'm talking about. And we were going to go into Seattle the next day. We're all set, all lined up, looking forward to it. We just said, we're doing it. I mean, they actually took over a part of the city. And the mayor said, this is going to be a summer of love, right? Where do these people come from? 
But we were all set to go in. They heard we were going in. We informed them we were going in, and they sent their police to do it. And we never even had to go in. But we can solve those problems in a matter of literally minutes. Thank you. Don't say that I'll start to cry and that wouldn't be good for my image. We don't want to, you don't want to see me cry. I'll start to cry. You know, one of the fake news broadcasters, uh, because this happened the other day, we had a tremendous crowd like, uh, like this. I mean, we had a tremendous crowd in North Carolina. They started chanting, we love you, we love you, we love you. And you know, it's incredible. They said, with all the years that they've been covering presidential elections, they've never heard that chant, that we love you. No, it's very nice. No, they've never heard it. True. You know, now they'll say, now they'll say, they'll say he misrepresented. 18 years ago, there was a rally held by somebody. And we heard the words from two people that we love you, sir. Now, this is what we're dealing with. And by the way, I look at, there's a lot of people that, look at this. There's, a lot, there's people back there that can't even get in. Thank you, Michigan. Thank you. It's really nice to be with you. As president, I will always support the heroes of law enforcement. I was very honored to receive the endorsement of the Police Officers Association of Michigan. Where are they? Where are they? They're here someplace. Where are they? Thank you, fellas. That's really nice, I'll tell you. That's an honor. I have to be honest. I got it from Florida, Texas, Ohio, North Carolina, South Carolina. But Michigan is Michigan. <laughs> Thank you. I don't think there's any law enforcement officer that is against us. What is our poll number? 99. I know they had 365,000 at one group and they got a unanimous vote. I said, that's pretty good. How can you go the other way? You people are fantastic and we love you. Thank you. That's great. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Biden says he wants to protect black lives, but his radical platform will cut short the lives of thousands of young African-American citizens. Thousands. The murder rate in Democrat-run cities like Chicago, Baltimore, New York, so many others, is higher than in Afghanistan. Yet Biden supports imposing these failed policies nationwide. You will have crime like you've never seen before. You'll have crime like you've never seen. Last week, Joe Biden proudly accepted the endorsement of the pro-criminal Portland District Attorney who has a policy of releasing rioters, criminals, and violent extremists without charge. Biden's plan, and every time I say Biden's plan, it's not his plan, it's the people that tell him what they're gonna do, so please understand. 
I just don't want to say that every time I mention his name. So it should say, the people that control Biden's plan is to appease domestic terrorists. My plan is to arrest them, to lock them up. If Joe Biden is elected, far-left lunatics won't just be running failed Democrat city. They'll be running the Department of Justice, the Department of Homeland Security, and the United States Supreme Court. And we can't let that happen. No city, town, or suburb will be safe. On November 3rd, your vote will save America. Remember, it's the most important election we've ever had. So I'm joined tonight by some great warriors that have really helped me a lot in Washington with the fake impeachment, the impeachment hoax, the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. Somebody said Russia's coming up again. Adam Schiff said, would like to find out about... I said, what about China? What about other countries? It's always Russia. Russia, Russia, they're at it again. I want to just thank these guys because these were real warriors for all of us. They love your state and they love our country. Congressman Jack Bergman. Great. Great job, Jack. John Moulinar. Thank you, John. Great. Great going, John. He's a tough cookie. And Tim Wahlberg. Tim, thank you. Great job. What great people. And I talked about him a little while before. I could talk about him all night. He's a star. He's going to be a future star. You know, we have a very much different party than we had four years ago. We're now the party of the workers. We're the party of a lot of different things now. But we weren't really considered the party of the workers. Certainly not anymore. Remember this. We're the party of Abraham Lincoln. A lot of people forget that. Honestly. Remember when they used to say, he doesn't act presidential. And I used to say, it's so easy to be presidential. I'd only have about 10 or 15 people here. You'd be bored. But remember, I used to do that. But I'd always say, I can be more presidential than any president in our history, except for the possibility of Abraham Lincoln when he wears his hat. Tough to be. That's tough to be, John James. But seriously, if you want to be well represented, you know, your current senator, I don't even know this guy. I don't even know this guy. Nobody does. They don't know who he is. They don't even know. He comes into the office. I say, who is that guy? I know every senator. Democrat, Republican. I don't know this guy. I know your other senator. I can tell by her hair. She's got interest in it. You know? But that was John's first crack. He learned a lot. And frankly, and I mean this, if he had more support from the Republican Party, he would have won that race. He would have. But this guy, Peters, right? Peters. I say, who's Peters? Nobody knows him. He doesn't do anything. I really mean, look, we're going to end this, but I have to tell you, John James can be so great. He loves this whole, he loves our country. He's been, he's been educated at the highest level. 
He was always the top at everything he's ever done. And this is what he has. And I, I'll be honest with you, uh, John, I think I can tell this story. John and I were thinking about John. I was thinking about John more than myself because I know talent. And I said, you know, John, you can run for a certain House seat, right? And you're guaranteed to win. You can run for another House seat. It'll be a tough race, but you're going to win. Or you can have a tough race against somebody that nobody ever heard of. It's like a habit that they press that particular trigger. But that's a tough race. So you can be an absolute congressman or you can take a shot at this one. He said, sir, I can do more in the Senate than I can do in the House. And that was his decision. Right? Took a lot of guts. So, John, uh, I'm with you. You have my total and complete endorsement. You have everything I can do. Everything I can do, we will do for you. And I really believe you're going to make it. You're, you're running against somebody that is just ridiculous, folks. It's ridiculous. Don't do it. Also with us are some other great candidates and people that are going to do a tremendous job helping our congressman. Paul Young. Where's Paul Young? Paul, thank you. Good luck. I heard you're doing well, Paul. Paul Young. Lisa McLean. Lisa? Great job. It's going well. And Eric Isaki. Thank you, Eric. Good luck. Good luck. We're going to be out here helping you, too. We're going to be out here. I hope John doesn't even need help, but we're going to help John, too. We're going to help all of you, all right? We're going to be doing it. Thank you. Also with you is RNC chairwoman. You know, she was the head of the whole state, and she kept calling me back, back. Sir, one more speech, you're going to win Michigan. Hadn't been won in decades. One more speech, sir, you're going to win Michigan. I said, all right, Ron, I'm coming in one more time, but that's it. I said, that woman is the most aggressive person I've ever met. She said, I'm telling you, sir, one more speech. I said, all right, I'll do it one more time, but that's it. About a day after I got back, I said, I just got back from Michigan. It was wonderful. I get a call from Ronna McDaniel. And she goes, sir, could you come in tomorrow for another speech? Well, whatever happened, she is the one that got me here at midnight on, she is. So when it came time to picking the head of the RNC, you know, as president, you have a couple of things to say about it, right? I said, who's that woman that kept getting me back to Michigan? Boy, oh boy, she'll be great. Ronna McDaniel. And somebody's doing a fantastic job and tells us we're really pretty far ahead, maybe way ahead, you know? They had a poll. I think it was a Gallup poll. They said 62% of the people are lying about their poll. Now, they're only lying having to do with mine. And I don't know if I'm supposed to be insulted by that or not, but we'll take it. But we could have a very big win. And look, uh, no president has done for Michigan what President Trump has done for Michigan. And you're going to remember that. And I'm going to remember Michigan. Michigan GOP Chair Laura Cox. Great. Thank you. Great job. Great job. Thank you. Thank you very much.
Thanks, Laura. We spent the last four years reversing the horrible damage Joe Biden inflicted over the last 47 years. 47 years of bad votes. After the last administration nearly killed the U.S. auto industry, I saved the U.S. auto industry. Joe Biden supported the disastrous Trans-Pacific Partnership, which would have been a death sentence for American auto jobs. I withdrew from the TPP my first week in office. That was so easy. That was so easy. You wouldn't have been making cars. You would have been buying cars from foreign lands. We have enough of that. Biden supported the horrendous South Korea deal that would have wiped out U.S. production of the pickup truck, which is the most, a pickup truck is the most profitable thing the auto industry makes. You know why? We have something called the chicken tax. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? The chicken tax. It's a tariff of 25%, and it keeps other countries out of here, and it expired, and South Korea didn't want to do it, but they did it. We got it right back, and we put it on for a long time, and now you're making... But remember this, go check it out. The chicken tax. I'll tell you why someday at another meeting, why they call it that. Maybe you don't want to know about it. But we're keeping those small trucks and we're keeping our whole industry good. And we're expanding our autos now, our cars. And we're doing a great job of it. I want to thank everybody. Doing a great job. And by the way, many other things in Michigan. Biden supported the outrageous fuel economy standards that have hammered the auto industry. And I reversed that rule. I actually reversed it. And it helped millions of families be able to afford a car. The United States lost 500 auto and auto parts factories under the Obama-Biden disaster. Before the virus, my administration added over 200 new auto and auto parts plants. In 2007, how about 200? I didn't know that. 200? 200? I thought it was a little less than that. Wait, I want to see that again. 200. It says 200. You believe it? That's a lot. You know, I have a choice between teleprompter and freelance. And I hate to say, the freelance is always a hell of a lot better. But... If you remember, and you remember well, I actually got elected because of freelance. We didn't have teleprompters. There were no teleprompters. But think of that 200. We're talking about 200 plants. I thought it was a much lower number, and I thought you should put me in office based on a much lower number. At 200, you have no choice. <laughs> Yesterday, <laughs> Biden was in Michigan. He said, I better get out of the basement. This guy's starting to do very well. Lying about his lifetime of cold-hearted globalist betrayals. Biden championed NAFTA, perhaps the worst trade deal in the history of our country. And he continued to embrace and promote NAFTA for decades. And I told you, he just said, it was not as good as the deal I made. I can't believe, oh, they're giving him hell tonight. They're giving him hell. What did you say that for? Boy, oh boy, yeah, Biden. Joe Hyden.
look, you know, this doesn't sound nice. I'll say it, and they'll criticize me for it. You watch. But I have the distinct pleasure of running against the worst presidential candidate in the history of presidential politics. I really believe that. I Can you imagine if I lost to him? I'd have to say I lost to the worst candidate ever put up. Don't do that to me, Michigan. Don't do that. Biden supported China's entry into the World Trade Organization, which, by the way, was a disaster. China was flatlining for years and years and decades. And it got into this World Trade Organization with all sorts of advantages. Just a terrible, terrible situation took place. And that's when China became a big, powerful economic power. But if you look at the numbers just before the plague, now the numbers are different. We were going up, up, up. We were beating them like a drum. They weren't even close. We were gaining, gaining, gaining. We were number one by far. You know, for years I've heard that in 2019, China was going to surpass us. Well, in 2019, we gained a lot on them. We were doing great. We were doing great. And we'll be doing even better next year. You watch. Yesterday, it was revealed that a fund partly owned by Joe Biden's son, Where's Hunter? See, his first name, I now name, his first name is Where. Where's Hunter? He must be a brilliant guy because with no experience, he's taking more money from more countries. He had no job and then he became rich. But Where's Hunter facilitated the sale of a Michigan automotive company to a leading Chinese military defense contractor. Does anyone know that China's military got yet another piece of American manufacturing might? And the Biden family made a lot of money on it. A lot of money. What about Ukraine? He got $183,000 a month, $3 million up front. And he had no experience with energy, working for an energy company, by the way. What's your experience? Hunter, what's your experience with energy? I don't have any. Okay, we'll pay you $183,000 a month. And we'll give you an upfront payment, Hunter, of $3 million. Will that be satisfactory? He goes, yes, I'll take it. Would anybody here not take that deal? Anybody, please raise your hand. It's one guy, right? You must be a pretty rich guy. If Biden's elected, China will own America. Washington vultures like Biden and others ripped apart entire towns all across your state. Michigan lost half of all manufacturing jobs after the trade deals that Biden supported. And by the way, I don't know if anybody, does anybody remember like 12 years ago, long before I thought about running for president, when I enjoyed my life, I had the greatest life. Where would we like to go? Let's go to Monte Carlo this weekend. Let's go. No, I had a great life, but I was honored. I was doing very well. I was honored in Michigan. Does anybody know that? I was given Man of the Year award by somebody. And I came in.
And I spent like 45 minutes talking about how you've been ripped off, how all your auto companies are leaving and going to Mexico, and by the way, to Canada too. But how they're all leaving and going to Mexico and Canada. I spent the whole time talking about it. I said, at the end, I felt embarrassed. I said, I hope I haven't insulted the state too much, but why do you let this happen? I stopped it. I stopped it. Won't be happening. Won't be happening. It's not going to happen anymore. Biden took a sledgehammer to your state earlier this year. I kept my promise to Michigan workers when we ended the NAFTA nightmare that everybody said was impossible to end. And when we signed that brand new U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement into law. The USMCA includes powerful wage protections to keep auto manufacturing jobs right here in Michigan. Now they have a tremendous disincentive to leave Michigan, fire all of our workers, go to Mexico or Canada, make the car or the product, send it in here without tariffs. We end up with closed factories, no job and no taxes. That's not happening anymore. That's not happening anymore. But you remember how bad it was just before I took office. It was, it was like an avalanche of companies leaving our country. I also took the toughest ever action to stand up to China's rampant theft of Michigan jobs. Biden has vowed to remove these tariffs and allow China to resume its pillaging. Just so you know, China's paying us tens of billions of dollars a month. Before me, China never paid anything. They didn't pay us 10 cents. And you know what I did with some of that money? I gave it to our farmers. I don't know if we have a lot. Do we have farmers here? Do we have farmers? Raise your hand, farmer. It's not bad. No, I gave $28 billion to our farmers because they were targeted by China. They were targeted. They said, you know, and that's what they did to the past to other presidents. They said, if you do this, we're going to stop doing business with your farmers and you're not going to be able to get any votes and you're going to lose the Midwest and all of that. And I said, you know what? I do whatever you want. Then I went to Sonny Perdue, Secretary of Agriculture, a great guy. I said, Sonny, how much are they being targeted for? Sir, $12 billion the first year, two years, three years ago. And then $16 billion, a total of $28 billion. I said, that's okay. We're putting tariffs on everything they send into our country. 25% was going to raise it to 50%, also 10% and 12%, all different tariffs. We took in billions and billions, and I said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take of that, the 12 and the 16, $28 billion, and we're going to give it to our farmers who were targeted, and our farmers are doing great. what we did. You think Joe Biden would do that? He wouldn't have a clue. Hillary wouldn't have had a clue. Crazy Bernie wouldn't have. Nobody would have had a clue on that one. And by the way, we had billions, tens of billions of dollars left over. You know what I did with that? We gave it to the U.S. Treasury, right smack into the heart of the U.S. Treasury. And we're still getting those big tariffs, even though we made a trade deal with China. I said, no, you got to leave the tariffs on. A lot of people didn't know it. Schumer went, well, I don't like the deal. First of all, he didn't like tariffs. Then all of a sudden, he loved it. But 
When I made the deal with China, I left the tariffs on 25% and some different amounts. But I left tariffs largely on. And nobody could believe it. They said to Schumer, what do you think of the deal? I don't like it because he got rid of the tariffs. I said, no, we left the tariffs on. This is what it is. No matter how you do it, no matter how good the deal, they'll say it's no good. Because they don't love the country. They don't love the country. Remember that. Joe Biden's agenda is made in China. My agenda is made in the USA. That's a nice plane. Somebody said to me, your plane, it's not. That's Air Force One. That's the nicest. That's the nicest. Always that's the nicest. I also authorized millions of dollars to save Michigan Sulaks and forget, right? Forget all the problems they had. For years and years, they fought over the money to do it. We got $300 million to the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative, and we have done a job on the Sulaks. They were rotting. You weren't going to have anything come through the Sulaks. It's all done. That deal is all done. It's all done, right? Thank you. Thank you. Where are my guys there? Good job, right? Even though you're law enforcement, that's a good job, right? <laughs> Two months ago, I also issued a major disaster declaration in response to the catastrophic flooding caused by the failure of the Edenville Dam. Where are the people from Edenville? Edenville, yeah, good. No, that was a terrible thing, and they're working very hard right now. We're providing more than $43 million in federal funds to help homeowners, businesses, and communities in central Michigan to recover from that catastrophe. And you know, it's a privately owned dam. I think we're going to have to sue the ass off of the company that has it. I don't know. Now, I don't know why we're doing it. I'll tell you why we're doing it. Our great congressman. Thank you, congressman. Great job. Thank you. Great. He called up. He said, uh, Sir, we have to do it. It's a private dam. I said, well, if it's a private dam, don't they have to do it? Say, it will never happen, right? But we'll end up getting some of that back, I think. Great, great representative you have. I want to tell you, you fought like hell. Thank you. Perhaps in no area have our opponents more thoroughly betrayed working families of all backgrounds than on the subject of immigration. Under my administration, we've achieved the most secure border in American history. We've ended catch and release, stopped asylum fraud, and we've deported over 20,000 vicious gang members and over half a million criminal illegal aliens. As I said, we've already built over 310 miles of border wall. It's all going to be finished very quickly. We're averaging about 10 new, brand new, beautiful miles every single week. It'll be finished very shortly. 
We've invested $2.5 trillion in the U.S. military, all made in the USA, by the way, all made in the USA. You know, with the fake news today, I said, and we have systems and missiles and rockets and military and tech. We have systems that you've never even seen before. President Xi has nothing like it. Putin has nothing like it. Nobody has anything like what we have. And they said, is he giving away military information? No, I'm saying we have the greatest weapons in the world. That's what I'm saying. They said he may be giving away classified information. You don't have to worry about it. These people are sick. Never speak well about our technology because you're giving away classified information. Now, I just want to let people know we have the greatest systems, the greatest equipment, and the greatest people anywhere in the world. There's nobody like the U.S. military, most powerful. We have the most powerful military in the world. And when I took it over, it was depleted. It was in trouble. It was exhausted from these ridiculous, endless wars that last 19 and 20 years. And you know, those soldiers are starting to come home very big. You know that, right? They're all coming home. They're all coming home. And we launched the first new branch of the U.S. Armed Forces in nearly 75 years since the Air Force. We launched the Space Force. Very, very important. We passed the Mission Act. We call it VA Choice and VA Accountability. We hold people accountable. If they don't treat our vets good, you're fired. Get out. You're fired. We did more in 47 months than Sleepy Joe Biden did in 47 years. That's true. We did more. That, that sort of has a nice ring to it, right? Think of it. We did more, and it's true. Just take a, take a look. Space Force by itself, that would be a major achievement. And with us, we did so many things, so many things. But we did more in 47 months than he did in 47 years. It's true. It's true. And a lot of what I did is destroy some of the horrible things that they did, including regulations all over the place. I withdrew from the last administration's disastrous Iran nuclear deal. We paid $150 billion, $1.8 billion in cash. We ought to speak to law enforcement about that. How do we send $1.8 billion in ca cash? In cash? You guys ought to take a look at that, please. I kept my promise, recognized the true capital of Israel, and opened the American Embassy in Jerusalem. Every president said they were going to do that. None of them did it. For decades and decades, they all said. And I tell the story, you know, it was uh, a hard thing to get done. It was easy to talk about in the campaign. We're going to open up the embassy in Jerusalem. We're going to make it. It becomes automatically the capital of Israel. That's everybody said it for very, very many decades, for decades, many presidents. But I realize now why it wasn't their fault, because as soon as I got in, I was lobbied by everybody. Please don't do it. Don't do it. Don't make the capital 
of Israel and Jerusalem, don't move your embassy. Okay, so it went on and on. And then I said, let's do it anyway. True. And the word got out. The word got out that I was going to do it. And I was called by every king and every queen and every prime minister and every everybody was calling me. Please, sir, don't do it. Please. So I did what we sometimes will do in business. I told them when a king calls, when somebody calls an emir, when somebody calls, tell them I'll call him back in a few days. I'm sorry, sir. He won't be able to speak right now. He'll call you back on Wednesday. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate it. On Tuesday, I announced that I'm doing it. And then I got on the phone with 18 different companies. I go, hey, how you doing? You called. I'm just returning your call. Oh, it's too late, sir. We called about Israel. It's too late. I said, yeah, I'm sorry. I wish you got to be a little bit sooner. I recognized Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights, and we achieved the first breakthrough in Middle East peace in decades. And by the way, on Wednesday, I believe of next week, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and as you know, the country, very powerful, very respected country with a great leader, UAE, is coming to the White House. And we're going to sign an agreement that hasn't been signed in many decades. It's peace and it's recognition of Israel and all of the things nobody thought it could be done. And you know, it's an amazing thing. I don't say this out of ego, but I was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. And, now, I, I have to tell you, that's sort of a big thing. And the networks and most of the news didn't cover it. Can you imagine when Obama came to office, they said, we're going to give him the Nobel Peace Prize. He actually said, what did I do? I didn't do anything. He didn't do anything for eight years, frankly. But he said, what did I do? They gave it to him in a matter of weeks, right? Weeks. And with us, we've done so much. We have done so much on so many different fronts. Remember North Korea? Remember they were going to be at war with North Korea? Where's the war? Where's the war? Where's the war? And we have a good relationship with Kim Jong-un. Who knows what happens? All I know is we're not in war, and that's okay. They said, but he gave away so much. I said, I gave away nothing. No, he gave away so much. When I said, what did I give away? You know what they said? Uh, we don't know. I said, here's what I gave away. I gave away nothing. They said, oh, but you agreed to meet. Oh, I see. I agreed to meet. So now they're saying, I agreed to meet. It was such a big deal. Instead of being in a war, I think agreeing to meet is okay, right? And we did. He's a different kind of a guy, and he's a smart guy, smart, very smart guy. We get along. You know, getting along with foreign powers is not a bad thing. We're trying to teach that to the media, and these idiots that ran our government for so many years. These
fools. You know, you got nuclear weapons, you got big armies, big navies. He gets along with Putin. That's a terrible thing. No, it's a good thing. If I get along, that's good. He likes me. I like him. Not so bad. He gets along with Kim Jong-un. That's a terrible thing. No, it's a good thing. I'm trying to convince him. It's okay. It's okay not to go to war. It's really okay. He gets along with President Xi. He gets along with Prime Minister Abe. He gets along with a lot of people. And it's okay. That's a good thing. It's, it's really hard. These stupid people that have been running this operation for 30, 40 years, and they come out against me, and all they did is stick us in these endless wars. We're fighting for sand and blood. Sand and blood. Syria, what do you get out of it? You get sand, you get blood, you get injuries, you get death. These people don't know what the hell they're doing, and it's one of the reasons I got elected, I can tell you that. We don't like his foreign policy. And this is said by one of the guys that got us into the war in Iraq, got us into the Middle East. So it's, uh, we're doing a great job. We're doing a great job for you. We're doing a great job for Michigan. Just to finish in the Middle East, we killed the founder and leader of ISIS, al-Baghdadi. And by the way, we're pulling back and we're doing everything so beautifully. If we do get into war, we win the war. We don't fight for nothing. We fought for nothing. We don't ever want to have war. But if there is a war, nobody's going to even come close to being able to beat us. And we won't be depleted from fighting in all these ridiculous locations all over the globe. You people know that a lot better than the idiots in Washington that have represented us for 35 years. We took out the world's number one terrorist and the mass murder of American troops. Qasim Soleimani is dead. We kept America out of new wars and we're bringing our troops back home and they're coming home very rapidly. You see that? Sleepy Joe Biden voted for the Iraq war. He supported the defense sequester that gutted our military, destroyed our military, set us back so many years. I got rid of it immediately. He opposed the mission to take out Osama bin Laden. He was against it. Everything he did, he was wrong on, as said by Gates, you know, Secretary of Defense, Secretary of everything. He was sort of like he had more jobs than any human being I've ever seen. But he said everything, everything that Biden was for was wrong. He opposed killing Soleimani. He oversaw the rise of ISIS. He was unable to do anything with ISIS. You know, I had the leader of a very important country in my office recently. And he said, and I'll probably refer to the press, they'll say, who is it? He said, thank you, sir. You were the one that got rid of ISIS. I said, I was the one? You're actually giving me credit? He said, absolutely. When you took over, ISIS in Iraq and ISIS in Syria was all over. It was growing at a level like we've never seen. You came in and you absolutely wiped it out. Happens to be... 
The man that said that happens to be the leader of Iraq. And he was very nice. He was very generous in his statements. He came to the White House two weeks ago. And we cheered as we looked at all of the success that we've had. But he really oversaw the rise of China as a positive development. Remember, he said, no, it's a positive development for America and for the world. He's been in Washington for 47 years. Now he's all of a sudden going to change. He's going to change. Not going to change. Don't forget, he was in Washington in his prime time, which was never considered great. And now it's no longer prime time. When I banned travel from China, Biden called it hysterical and xenophobic. If we had listened to Joe, hundreds of thousands more Americans would have died from the China plague. Biden was willing to sacrifice American lives on the altar of open borders. And now Joe Biden is once again hurting innocent people with his dangerous anti-vaccine conspiracy theories, putting millions of lives around the world at risk. And the only reason he's doing that is he knows we're right next to having a vaccine. So he wants to belittle the vaccine because he doesn't want us to get credit. But again, it's not him, it's the people surrounding him. When the virus arrived, we launched the largest national mobilization since World War II. Recently, I visited the workers at Ford's historic Ravenswell plant, who converted their factory to produce tens of thousands of ventilators after we invoked the Defense Production Act. And they've done a fantastic job. Not a single American who has needed a ventilator has been denied a ventilator any time in our whole country. They needed a ventilator. We had nothing. We were left bare cupboards. I always say the cupboards were bare. We're delivering life-saving therapies and have achieved among the lowest case fatality rates anywhere of any country in the world. Europe's excess mortality rate is 24% higher than the rate in the United States. You don't hear that from the fake news. America will prevail over the China virus. As Franklin Delano Roosevelt said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. That's it. We're doing very well. As the British government advised the British people in the face of World War II, Keep calm and carry on. That's what I did. This whack job that wrote the book, he said, well, Trump knew a little bit. They wanted me to come out and scream, people are dying, we're dying. No, no, we did it just the right way. We have to be calm. We don't want to be crazed lunatics. We have to leave. When Hitler was bombing, I don't know if you know this, when Hitler was bombing London, Churchill, great leader, would oftentimes go to a roof in London and speak. And he always spoke with calmness. He said, we have to show calmness. No, we did it the right way, and we've done a job like nobody. All of those great generals, all of those great admirals, our great vice president, Mike Pence, they did a fantastic job. Our doctors, and they don't get any credit 
because they want to discredit us as much as possible because they wanted to carry over to November 3rd. But we've done a fantastic job. I think we've probably done the best job of any country, certainly of any major country anywhere in the world on the pandemic. Through our historic relief programs, we've saved more than 1.6 million Michigan jobs and over 120,000, 128,000 Michigan businesses. Michigan has already gained and regained more than half of the jobs that it lost. And if your state was ever allowed to safely reopen by your governor, who doesn't have a clue, she's like Joe. You would have regained far more than that. Open up your state, Madam Governor. Open up your state. Just like crazy Nancy Pelosi, your governor is a liberal hypocrite who lives by a different set of rules. Her husband was caught trying to put his boat in the water on Memorial Day weekend while she was ordering the people of Michigan to stay in their homes and forcing businesses into bankruptcy left and right. The Biden agenda would collapse our economy and destroy this great opportunity that we're having right now. He would impose job-destroying regulations that would demolish the auto industry. You know, on regulations, it took, in many cases, 18, 19, 20 years to get a roadway or a highway approved. We have it down now to two years. We're trying to get it down to one year, and it may get disapproved for environmental or safety reasons, but we're going to know about it very fast. No more 20-year approvals or disapprovals. He wants to force you to provide free government health care to illegal aliens. He will destroy your Social Security. He will destroy your protections for pre-existing conditions, and we will save Social Security. Remember they said last time, oh, Trump is going to destroy Social Security. Well, it's now four years. We haven't touched it. We protected it, and that's going to remain that way. Biden opposes school choice and has stated that if he's elected, charter schools so important are gone. In a second term, I will provide school choice to every parent in America. A vote for Republicans is a vote for safe communities, great jobs, and a limitless future for all Americans. Instead of letting Washington change us, despite all that we have been through, we are changing Washington. And in conclusion, although I hate to I really do. I hate to conclude. I hate to conclude because I love being with you. I do. I do. So in conclusion, over the next four years, we will make America into the manufacturing superpower of the world. And we will end our reliance on China once and for all. We've been doing it anyway. 
We will make our medical supplies right here in the United States and right here in Michigan. We will enact fair trade deals that create American jobs and grow American wages. We will rapidly return to full employment, soaring incomes, and record prosperity, and that's already happening. We will hire more police, increase penalties for assaults on law enforcement, surge federal prosecutors into high-crime communities, and we will ban sanctuary cities. We will appoint prosecutors, judges, and justices who believe in enforcing the law, not their own political agenda. We will ensure equal justice for citizens of every race, color, religion, and creed. We will defend the dignity of work and the sanctity of life. We will uphold religious liberty, free speech, and the right to keep and bear arms. And you're lucky I'm here because your Second Amendment would be gone if I wasn't. And they didn't touch it. We will strike down terrorists who threaten our citizens, and we will keep out people, keep them out of these horrible, horrible situations where they hurt our country, they hurt the people of our country, and we're also going to be staying out of the endless, ridiculous foreign wars in countries that you've never even heard of. We will build the most powerful missile and cyber defense. We've already got it, pretty much. And we will maintain peace through strength. We will end surprise medical billing, require the biggest thing that nobody even knows about, and it's all signed, and it goes into effect on January 1st. And you better make sure I win. Can you imagine? This is going to be the biggest thing, and nobody understands what it is. You'll figure it out. Price transparency. Did they fight me in that one? January 1st. And further reduce health insurance premiums and the cost of prescription drugs at a level like you've never seen before. I've already signed it. Favored nations, the drug companies are not happy, I will tell you. Just all you have to do is take a look at all the ads they're running against me. Favored nations where we pay whatever the lowest is in the world, we pay that number. We will protect Medicare and Social Security, and we will always protect our patients. We will always protect our people. We will protect your pre-existing conditions, as I said. America will land the first woman on the moon, and the United States will be the first nation to land an astronaut on Mars. We will restore patriotic education. You know what I mean by that? And we will teach our children to love our country, honor our history, and always respect our great American flag.
And we will live by the timeless words of our national motto, In God We Trust. And I don't know if you saw it, but during the Democrat National Convention in caucus, they took twice. I thought I was sort of, maybe they made a mistake. You saw that. They took the word God out of the Pledge of Allegiance. Pledge. And then they said, oh, well, that, well, maybe it was a mistake. It wasn't a mistake. That's where they're coming from. Don't be foolish. That's where they're coming from. And there's nothing that sleepy Joe Biden can do about it. For years, you had a president who apologized for America. Now you have a president who is standing up for America and standing up for Michigan. So get your friends, get your family, get your neighbors and your co-workers and get out and vote. So important. From Grand Rapids to Saginaw, from Kalamazoo to Mackinac, and from Flint to right here in Freeland, we stand on the shoulders of generations of Michigan patriots who gave their blood sweat and tears for this beloved nation. This is the state where Henry Ford invented the assembly line. It's the place where General Motors, Chrysler and Kellogg revolutionized entire industries. Mission, well, you know this one, right? Michigan gave us Motown, right? That's right. That's right, Motown. We love Motown. Michigan gave us Motang, gave us Motown, gave us the Mustang and the unrivaled might of the American Midwest. This is the state where tough, strong and determined workers made America into the greatest and most powerful nation in the history of the world. And we are making it greater and greater every single day. Proud citizens like you help build this country. And together we will be taking back our country. We'll be taking it back from people that don't love our country. And that take back is almost complete. We have to win on November 3rd. We're returning power to you, the American people. With your help, your devotion and your drive, we are going to keep on working, we are going to keep on fighting, and we are going to keep on winning, winning, winning. We are going to keep on winning. Vote for John James, John James. We need John James. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together, with the incredible people of Michigan, we will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. Thank you, Michigan. We love you, Michigan. Thank you.
And once again, that is the full version of the Donald Trump rally from today, September 10th, 2020. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you all for listening. God bless. And now just for fun, we're going to play the full press conference that Donald Trump gave today, the same day, September 10th, 2020. And of course, Donald Trump speaking with the press is always great entertainment. But more importantly, it gives Donald Trump the opportunity to set the record straight on many different topics. So there you go. Now you get both sides of the story. God bless you all. Until next time, this is What is Truth. What is Truth? If you don't know what is truth, I'll tell you what is truth. Jesus Christ is truth. God bless. We have some... Big ones today. This is a room loaded up. Wow. Paula Reed, Jonathan Carl, Phil Rucker. Hi, Phil. How are you? Caitlin. We've got the all stars. A lot of all stars today. You too. You too. That's good. Well, that's fine. Thank you very much. In the past four months, we've added 10.6 million jobs including 643 manufacturing jobs and 658,000 construction jobs. It's far beyond expectations. We've experienced the smallest contraction of any Western nation, meaning we've been affected less than any other nation, Western nation, and probably almost, I think you can put us in, I just saw some numbers, I think you can put us into just about any category anywhere. And the fastest recovery by far, and that's anywhere. Nobody's recovered like we're recovering. If we followed Joe Biden's strategy, we'd shut down the entire country after just having set records on growth. And we also did have tremendous retail growth, as you probably noticed. We're witnessing the fastest labor market recovery from an economic crisis in our history. By contrast, the Obama-Biden administration had the slowest, weakest, and worst recovery in American history, as you know. We continue to make progress in our fight against the China virus. New weekly cases have declined by 44 percent since July. Deaths declined by 20 percent compared to just last week. It's going down very rapidly, really rapidly. This is in contrast to nations in the European Union which have recently experienced a sharp increase in cases. They're having a very big spike over there. We're, we're hopefully beyond our spike, and we'll see, but we're doing very well all over our country. In the past five weeks, per capita cases doubled in France, surged to over 300 percent in Spain, which I've been hearing about and speaking to some of the leaders of Spain, and they are having a hard time and increased more than 400 percent in Italy again. And as you remember, I stopped. I put a ban on people coming in from Europe after the ban I imposed on China, Wuhan. But uh, because of Wuhan primarily, because that area was very infected, we, uh, we also put a ban on Europe. So Spain is uh, being heavily impacted, France, and 400 percent in Italy. Yesterday, European nations experienced 50 percent more deaths than the United States. And you don't hear these things. You don't hear these statistics, but the United States has done really well.
Very proud of everybody that worked on this. And I really do believe we're rounding the corner and the vaccines are right there, but even not even discussing vaccines and not discussing therapeutics, we're rounding the corner. We already have therapeutics out there, by the way, which are having obviously a very big impact because you look at that, you look at the the way people are recovering. It's so much better than in the past before we knew about the disease and had anything to fight the disease. On schools, as part of our science-based approach, we want schools to safely open and stay open. Children are extremely low risk of complications from the virus. Less than 0.2 percent, 0.2 percent of the coronavirus deaths have occurred in those under the age of 25, and most had underlying conditions where there was a problem. There's no substitute for in-person learning. According to a recent study, student progress in math decreased by half. And using online education compared to uh, in-person or campus education. So online, we think of so many things online and how great it is. There's nothing like being in the classroom. That's what we've learned from this whole ordeal. According to the CDC, school closures disproportionately harm low-income and minority children, as well as those with disabilities. And I think you see some slides behind me that are very uh, new, very current. It's also crucial for colleges and universities to stay open, and we hope that they do indeed stay open. We want to see Big Ten football. We hope it's coming back. We have a lot of the uh, colleges that we're talking about. They want to come back. We hope that Michigan agrees. We hope that, uh, and I know the governor will have a lot to say about it. We hope she approves it, but uh, we have a couple that Maryland's another one. We hope the governor puts a little pressure on so that we can have it. But uh, I have a feeling they may do it. They may do it without having everybody, but I think they're going to have maybe Michigan, maybe Maryland. We have a couple of, of uh, states that might not participate, but people are working very, very hard to get Big Ten football back, and I'm pushing it. And it'll be a great thing for our country and uh, the players and the coaches want to do it really badly. The players are missing. They only have so many years of this, and the players are missing a big opportunity, including the chance in some of the cases they have some of the best players, college players in our country. And they want to get into the NFL, and they want to make money in the NFL, and they're not going to be able to do that too easy if you don't get to see them play. It's much safer for students to live on campus, and low-risk young people would rather than uh, – the alternative, it's uh, the alternative is no good than going home, spreading the virus to high risk Americans. It's uh, they want to be on campus. They want to go back to school and the parents want them back in school, maybe more so than they want to be back in school. And they want to back safely and they want to go back safely, but they have to go back based on the recent data from more than 20 colleges. Not a single student who tested positive for the virus has been hospitalized. So that's a lot of people. That's a lot of students. Not one has been hospitalized. As we continue to follow the science-based approach to protect our people and vanquish the virus, Joe Biden continues to use the pandemic for political gain. Every time I see him, he starts talking about the pandemic. He's reading it off a teleprompter. I'm not allowed to use a teleprompter. Why is that, Phil? They ask questions, and he starts reading the teleprompter. He says, move the teleprompter a little bit closer, please. I don't know. I think if I did that, I'd be in big trouble. 
I think that would be that would be the story of the year. When I took early action in January to ban the travel and all travel to and from China, the Democrats and Biden in particular called it xenophobic. You remember that? Joe was willing to sacrifice American lives to placate the radical left, open border extremists. And we saved tens of thousands of lives, probably hundreds of thousands of lives. And we saved millions of lives by uh, doing the closing and now the opening the way we did it. Joe's decision to publicly attack the China ban proved he lacks the character or intelligence or instinct to do what is right. Now, Biden's launched a public campaign against the vaccine, which is so bad because we have some vaccines coming that are incredible. Uh, Scott was telling me about uh, some of the things that are happening, and it's very exciting, Scott. Thank you for being here. But uh, you don't want to have anything having to do with the political purposes, being an anti-vaxxer. You don't want to be talking about the vaccines in a negative way, especially when you see the statistics that we're starting to see. They're incredible, actually. Uh, Biden's perfectly happy to endanger the lives of other people by doing something that he thinks is going to help him politically because his polls are getting very bad. They're getting very shaky. Uh, this was an election that was going to be very easy, very quick. And then the China virus came in and I had to go back to work politically. Unfortunately, I had to devote more time politically than the other things we do, which are very important for our country. But I had to go back to work and it looks like uh, looks like we're going up very rapidly more rapidly than the media wants to admit. And Biden's had to go out. He's gotten out of his basement and he's working. Let's see what happens. But uh, we've got to talk about how great these vaccines are, if in fact they're great. And I think you're going to see numbers that are going to be very, very impressive. The approach to the virus is a very unscientific blanket lockdown by the Democrats. That's what they're talking about which takes all of these incredible statistics, records, and it throws them out the window. Now, they did say it would be based on the recommendation of the experts, but, you know, whether expert or not, uh, we're not doing any more shutdowns. We did the shutdown, and now we're doing the opening, and there won't be any more shutdowns. There could be a little section, a small section. We have a breakout, but we're not talking about shutdowns like they were talking about, depending on experts. We're not going to be doing that. The uh, swine flu was a disaster. You remember when, not nearly as deadly, not a, not the same world, but when Joe Biden was vice president, his failed approach to the swine flu was disastrous. He called it, he called it N1H1. It's actually H1N1. You know, you remember the H comes before the and so it's sort of easy to remember, right? But Joe, Joe always calls it the opposite way. But it was, call it the swine flu. It was disastrous. And his own chief of staff said that when Biden helped manage the swine flu in 2009, they, quote, did everything possible wrong. And 60 million Americans got H1N1 in that period of time. This is a quote from his chief of staff. And it's just purely a fortuity that this isn't one of the great mass casualties events. It had nothing to do with us doing anything right because we did everything wrong. It was a disaster. It was a disaster. And now he's telling us 
had a manner. He can't manage himself. 270,000 Americans were hospitalized during this attack. The outbreak was so rampant that the Obama administration told states to stop testing. We don't want any tests because they don't want to show all of the things that test show. By the way, we're setting a record on testing. Our testing is at a level that nobody's ever seen before. We're substantially greater than the second country, which is India, by the way, which has 1.5 billion people. But we're 50 million tests ahead, 50 million ahead. And they ordered the CDD to stop counting tests and stop counting cases, and then left us a depleted stockpile, which is what I inherited. I inherited a depleted, a very badly depleted stockpile. In other words, Biden's record demonstrates that if he had been in charge of this very serious, highly, highly contagious epidemic or pandemic, the China virus, countless more Americans would have died. And if we didn't do what we did, and I say it all the time now because uh, the media likes to belittle what we've done has been incredible. Now you can look at Europe and you can look at other places and you can start comparing. Biden is weak on China. Yesterday it was revealed that a fund partly owned by Joe Biden's son, Hunter, facilitated the sale of a Michigan auto parts producer to a leading Chinese military defense contractor. You don't want to write about that, do you? Biden spent his entire career selling Michigan jobs to China. Now the Biden family is selling out our country directly to the Chinese military, which has to do with this company that Hunter, here we go with Hunter again. He didn't have a job. Now all of a sudden he's selling companies from Michigan to China. China's military got American manufacturing jobs and the Biden family got paid a lot of money. And I said, if Joe Biden ever got elected, China will own America. They will, they will own America. Finally, I can announce with great pride that Secretary of State Mike Pompeo will be departing this evening on a historic trip to Doha. That's Qatar for the beginning of intra-Afghan peace negotiations. We've been negotiating with them for quite some time, getting along with them. Moved a lot of soldiers out. Uh, I got a report this morning that there's been nobody uh, killed in Afghanistan since early February. It's a long time. There's been no deaths, no problems. And uh, a lot of progress is being made in Afghanistan, but we'll be down to 4,000 soldiers in a very short period of time. Likewise, Iraq will be down to about 2,000 soldiers in a very short period of time. And uh, in Syria, for the most part, we're out, other than we kept the oil. Uh, as we have soldiers guarding the oil, not too many, I think, small number. But they're guarding the oil. And we're helping the Kurds, and we're making their lives much more pleasant uh, because of the fact that we have the oil. So we're pretty much out of Syria. We're pretty much out of Iraq. And we're down to the smallest force that we've had and uh, will be very shortly down to that number in Afghanistan. Uh, the negotiations are a result of a bold diplomatic effort on part of my administration in recent months and years. The United States will play an important role in bringing the parties together 
to end the decades-long war. It's been going on for almost 20 years, long before I got involved, I can tell you that. And had they not been wasting our time with all of the phony witch hunts and all of the things, we probably could have done this even faster. But a lot of time had to be spent wasted like that. Uh, but the parties are together right now, and we're negotiating, and uh, we're really making tremendous progress. Next week at the White House, we'll be having a signing between UAE and Israel, and we could have another country added into that. And I will tell you, countries are lining up that want to go into it. Uh, as you know, UAE, UAE is headed by a very, very highly respected gentleman and uh, respected by everybody. And he's a warrior, too. He's a great warrior. And Mohammed's very excited about this. And uh, you'll be hearing other countries coming in over a relatively short period of time. And you could have peace in the Middle East. I think what ultimately will happen is you're going to have quite a few countries come in. The big ones are going to be coming in. I spoke to the king of Saudi Arabia, so we're talking. We're starting a — we just started the dialogue. And uh, you'll have them come in. And I think two things are going to happen. Iran will uh, — if we win the election, Iran will come and uh, sign a deal with us very, very rapidly within the first — I would say weak, but let's give ourselves a month because their GDP went down 25 percent, which is like an unheard of number. And they'd like to be able to get back to having a successful country again. So I think that'll happen. And I think very importantly, uh, uh, the Palestinians will get back into the fold. And when they see all of these countries that, frankly, have been supporters of the Palestinians, very big supporters and certainly financial supporters, as you know, we used to pay the Palestinians $750 million a year, and I ended that some time ago on the basis that they didn't seem to want to make peace. And uh, we'll think about it once we have a deal, but I've ended that quite a while ago. I'm frankly surprised they haven't been to the table uh, earlier. But this is the best way. This is a way that's going to be great. This can really bring the Middle East together. And again, uh, since February, we haven't had a death in Afghanistan, which is — that's a record for many years, uh, not a death. And we're getting along very, very well with the Taliban and very well with Afghanistan and its uh, representatives. And we'll see how it all goes. It's a negotiation. But Secretary of State Mike Pompeo will be departing uh, in a little while. So I think that's very exciting news. And a lot of people thought that my natural instinct is war. No, my natural instinct is actually peace. When we were on the debate stage, people used to say, will it be one week or two weeks before President Trump gets into a war? But that's not. I did rebuild our military. We have a military that two and a half trillion dollars, new jets and rockets and tanks and ships and a lot of things we have. We have the newest, best military we've ever had. So uh, hopefully we won't have to use it. Uh, our nuclear program has been put into gear like never before. And in particular, hopefully, we won't have to use that, because that's a whole new level of destruction. And we never want to just have to pray to God we never have to use that. All right, please, John. Yes. Thank you, Mr. President. Why did you lie to the American people, and why should we trust what you have to say That's now? That's a terrible question, and the phraseology, I didn't lie. 
What I said is we have to be calm. We can't be panicked. Uh, I knew that the tapes were there. These were a series of phone calls that we had, mostly phone calls. And uh, Bob Woodward is somebody that uh, I respect just from hearing the name for many, many years, not knowing too much about his work, not caring about his work. But I thought it would be interesting to talk to him for a period of, you know, calls. So we did that. I don't know if it's good or bad. I don't even know if the book is good or bad. But uh, certainly if uh, he thought that was a bad statement, he would have reported it because he thinks that, you know, you don't want to have anybody that uh, is going to suffer medically because of some fact. And he didn't report it because he didn't think it was bad. Nobody thought it was bad. Wait a minute, wait a minute. And your question, the way you phrase that is such a disgrace. It's a disgrace to ABC Television Network. It's a disgrace to your employer. And that's the answer. You ready? Because I I love... Of course I didn't. Of course I didn't. No, no. No, no. ...than the flu, and then you went out and told the American public that this was just like the flu. Let me tell you something. We've had flu years. You told everybody else something else. No, and five times, right? Five times. Do you ever hear the expression five times? We've had flu years where we lost 100,000 people. The flu is a very serious problem for this country also. And we've been losing them. Scott, what kind of a number have we lost over the years with flus into the hundreds of thousands? Well, I mean, the, the last five years have been something like 35 to 80,000 per year, every year, even with antiviral drugs and even with Flu vaccines. is a very serious problem also. But, but just so you know... This is worse than the most friendly, deadlier than the most strenuous flu. Okay. And then you went out and said it's just like the flu. What I went out and said is very simple. Listen, what I went out and said is very simple. I want to show a level of confidence, and I want to show strength as a leader, and I want to show that our country is going to be fine one way or the other. Whether we lose one person, we shouldn't lose any, because this shouldn't have happened. This is China's fault. This is nobody's fault but China. China should not have allowed it to happen. Whether you have one person, 180,000 people, or two and a half or three million people, which it could have been very seriously if we didn't make the moves. And when you look at the opposition where they said, oh, why did he put the ban on? Uh, Dr. Fauci said we saved hundreds of thousands of lives by putting the ban on China and then ultimately putting the ban on Europe. There was no lie here. What we're doing is we're leading, and we're leading in a proper way. And if, frankly, somebody else was leading it, they wouldn't have closed it. If you look at uh, Nancy Pelosi, you look at Cuomo, you look at de Blasio, you look at Biden, Months later, they said, there's no problem. They're talking about me. Months later, and before any statement was made, you have to remember, I put the ban on China. So obviously, outwardly, I said, it's a very serious problem. And it's always a serious problem. That doesn't mean I'm going to jump up and down in the air and start saying, people are going to die, people are going to die. No, no, I'm not going to do that. We're going to get through this. And we're right now, I hope, really think we're going to, we're rounding the final turn. And a lot of good things are happening with vaccines and with therapeutics. But there's no lying. And the way you ask that question is very disgraceful. Phil, go ahead, please. Go ahead. Yeah, I do think so. I think we did a great job. I think we did a great job. And the people that did such, our generals, our admirals, Mike Pence, all of the people that have worked so hard, and now Dr. Atlas, and all of the, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, they should be respected for the job they've done. So you won't downplay it again. You won't downplay it again. You said you downplayed it, but you told All me. All I'm doing is, no, I don't want to jump up and down and start screaming death, death. 
because that's not what it's about. We have to lead a country. We're leading a great country, and we're doing a great job. And the people that have done such a good job should be given the kind of credit that they deserve. We possibly have done the best jobs when you start looking at what we're doing with the vaccines and therapeutics and ventilators. We had no ventilators, John. We make thousands of ventilators now a month, and we're supplying them to the whole world. The job we've done is the best job. And don't give me any credit. Give the people that have done this the credit. They've done a great job. Yeah, Phil, go ahead. Yeah, Mr. President, you talked about the need to stay calm and not just to sit down and, and scare people. A lot of other world leaders were calm. Uh, German Chancellor Angela Merkel was very calm as she presented information to the German people so that they could stay safe and protect their families. So why is you, as President of the United States, did you not level with the American people? Did you not share the information that you knew at the time in real well, time? Well, I don't know what, what Angela is doing, but if you look at the European Union right now, they're having breakouts like you've never seen before. And frankly, their numbers are at a level that are much worse than the numbers here. We are, we have done, we have, Phil, we have done much, much better than the European Union. I just read you numbers that are not good on their behalf and that are very good at ours. And we have rounded the final turn and we have we're going to have vaccines very soon, maybe much sooner than you think. Listen, maybe much sooner than you think. But we have done a phenomenal job. And the people that have done this job, including the American public that's had to put up with a lot, with the lockdowns and all of the things that they had to do, they have to be given credit. They have you, to be given but credit. you knew this Please, was a ahead. deadly virus. You knew it was airborne. You knew on February 7th, you told Bob Woodward how it transferred from person to person in the air, how deadly it was. Why did you not come to the podium and call Well, let me ask you this. If Bob happened. Woodward thought that was bad, because this is stuff that everyone knew, there's a report that I have here someplace where China said it was airborne earlier than the statements I made. People knew it was airborne. This was nothing. This was no big. When I say it was airborne, everybody knew it was airborne. This was no big thing. I know that in February. Well, read the reports. China came out with a statement that it was an airborne disease. I heard it was an airborne disease. I assumed it early on. The fact is, there has to be a calmness. You don't want me jumping up and down, screaming, there's going to be great death, there's going to... And really causing some very, very serious problems for the country. If Bob Woodward thought what I said was bad, then he should have immediately, right after I said it, gone out to the authorities so they can prepare and let him know. But he didn't think it was bad, and he said he didn't think it was bad. He actually said he didn't think it was bad. The only the one that said it was bad or thinks it was bad were the fake news media because they take it and they try and put it a certain way. If Bob Woodward thought it was bad, then he should have immediately gone out publicly, not wait four months. You know, he's had that statement for four months, maybe five months. He's had it for a long time. It was a series of taped interviews, mostly by telephone. Quick ones, not long ones, quick ones. And it was, I did it out of curiosity because I do have respect and I want to see. I wonder whether or not somebody like that can write good. I don't think he can, but let's see what happens. Yeah, please. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, it, we're just about 50 days out from the election, and we haven't seen a lot out of the Durham investigation yet. Yeah. Where is that? And do you, do you have confidence in the investigation? Well, I can't tell you that yet. I have to see. I'm not involved in it. I purposely stayed uninvolved. I'm I guess, considered the chief law enforcement uh, officer of the country. I could be involved if I wanted to. I thought it would be uh, better if I wasn't. I think it's better if uh, our great attorney general handled it. He has Durham, who is a uh, 
very, very respected man, and we're going to see what it is. I can't tell you that. I can tell you this. I can tell you this. They, uh, they lied. They cheated. Uh, they leaked. They got caught. They spied on my campaign. Never in history has there been anything like this. And I guarantee if the roles were reversed and I was on the Democrat side, people would have been in jail at the very highest level. People would have been in jail for two years already. Nothing like this has ever happened. And the term would be for many, many years because it's treason and other words can be used also. Do you think there should be more indictments? as a part of this investigation. Well, I think just on what I read in your wonderful papers, I think, and, and see what, you know, just looking at the media, uh, not even what I know. Uh, I think Comey is a disgrace to our country. I think Strzok, who just wrote a book, which is a total fake, uh, is a disgrace. I think Page, Lisa Page, his lover, is a disgrace to our country. Uh, I think that when you look at McCabe, where his wife got $700,000 in campaign contributions from Hillary Clinton, right? And then Hillary Clinton's under investigation, and yet she paid the head of the FBI, one of the top people, but actually the head because he took over for, for the other guy, who fortunately I fired. I made a good move when I fired. That was a smart move because they were looking to take down this administration, duly elected administration. So I fired him. That was a great move when I fired him, because maybe if I didn't, I wouldn't be here talking to you as president. But when McCabe's wife gets $700,000 in campaign contributions when she was running for whatever office she was running from, from Virginia, and yet he's in charge of the investigation of Hillary Clinton. Now, he says, well, I wasn't really in charge. Of course he was in charge. He was totally in charge. He knew exactly what was going on. These people got caught in the probably the biggest political scandal in the history of our country. They got caught. Now, what the Durham report is going to say, I can't tell you. But if they say half as much as I already know just from seeing it, you know, you have people. I watch some of the shows. I watch Liz McDonald. She's fantastic. I watched uh, Fox Business. Uh, I watched uh, Lou Dobbs last night, Sean Hannity last night, Tucker last night, Laura. I watched uh, Fox and Friends in the morning. You watch these shows, uh, you don't have to go too far into the details. They cover things that are, it's really an amazing thing. They got caught in the biggest political scandal in the history of our country. They were spying on their opponent's campaign not only spying, they were making up fake dossiers. You have the dirty dossier. They were making up the dirty. It was all made up. It was all fiction. It turned out to be fiction. And then they were using that in the FISA courts, this revered court. Well, it's not so revered anymore because when you look at what they did and how they played it, and they hurt a lot of people. General Flynn is still being hurt, and he's being hurt very badly. He's a wonderful person. I spoke to General Milley about General Flynn two weeks ago. I said, what do you think of General Flynn? He said, he's a great soldier, sir, and he's a wonderful, wonderful human being. He's been destroyed. He's been destroyed. No, I think that this, uh, without knowing anything about what Durham is going to release, the Durham report, we'll call it, uh, or maybe it's going to be more than a report, Maybe it's going to be much more than a report. I don't know. Maybe it's a report, or maybe it's much more than that. But when I look at the, uh, the things that everybody in this room knows just from reading about it from yourselves back and forth, I think it's a disgrace to our country. 
And I think if people uh, don't pay a very, very substantial price, it'll happen again. And this should never, ever happen to another president. Thank you very much. Thank you. Everybody.